Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Duke, 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 Duke of Earl, Duke, Duke edition, as I sit down for a one-on-one conversation with the Bengals Director of Player Personnel, Duke Tobin, to discuss free agency, the draft, and trying to build a championship team around Joe Burrow. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since local radio calls of dramatic sports moments. One of the things I love about my job in broadcasting Bengals and UC Bearcats games as opposed to being a neutral network announcer, is that I have a vested stake in the outcome. Like a diehard fan, I am elated when the Bengals and Bearcats win, and I am sometimes heartbroken when they lose. And that's one of the reasons why, whenever there's a dramatic game-winning play, like the long bank shot that Gonzaga freshman Jalen Suggs made on Saturday night to beat UCLA in overtime in the NCAA tournament, I love to hear how the local radio announcers called it to feel that raw emotion. First, courtesy of Gonzaga's IMG Radio Network, here are play-by-play man Tom Hudson and color commentator Adam Morrison, the former Bulldog star. To the right side of the floor, defended by Kispert now, drives, leans in, the runner comes up short, choosing the rebounds and puts it in. We're tied at 90, three seconds left. Here's Suggs the other way, pull up, three for the win. Yes! Yes! Set yes! of the championship game! He knocked no! from 40 at the buzzer! Yes! The Bulldogs! Wow! Play for a national championship! Then... There's the other side, courtesy of IMG's UCLA network. Here are Josh Lewin and former Bruin Tracy Murray. Juzang with eight, with seven, gets to the elbow, a floater, line drive, no, gets his own rebound, scores off the glass, 3.3 to go. Here's Suggs at midcourt, two, one, a 32-footer. Oh, Oh my goodness, he banked it in. Gonzaga has won the game. Wow. Cry in your pillow. Unbelievable! Suggs hit a runner. Bank shot going home. The Bruins are going home. Josh Lewin has been my friend for more than 30 years since we were young minor league baseball broadcasters in the same league. And that was a tremendous call under very difficult circumstances. But as I told him, with Mick Crone and his head coach, and considering the recruits that UCLA is sure to attract, there will be many more Final Four trips to come. As I record this podcast, the NFL draft is less than four weeks away, 24 days to be exact, as the first round takes place on Thursday, April 29th. This week, I discussed the draft with Duke Tobin, but we started our conversation with the roughly $121 million that the Bengals have spent so far on free agents from other teams. At the start of free agency, was your goal or one of your biggest goals to improve the offensive line? Well, what we set out to do is uh, look where the opportunities are in free agency. Uh, Often the opportunities don't exactly line up with what your needs are, but uh, we wanted to uh, take advantage of the opportunities we thought uh, we would have access to. And uh, we had a number of areas on our team that we felt could 
could use some new guys. And uh, and the way that it broke, uh, we just had to maintain re- maintain flexibility on what we were looking uh, at and uh, where the opportunities were. And the opportunities uh, hit on defense, which is fine by me. Uh, from uh, where we were, we needed help there. Uh, we needed some new names, some new faces, some guys coming from other programs and guys with uh, career left in them and guys with uh, success and and toughness and swagger and and so when the the opportunities came on defense we didn't turn them down and uh, we looked at a lot of different position groups as we went through and and to be honest uh, we're we're still uh, looking around a little bit and we'll see if anything else uh, comes available to us but uh, you know, we're pleased with the way it happened. It's hard to uh, predict exactly how it's going to happen, but uh, you've got to look at free agency and uh, see where the depth is, see where the opportunity is, and then adapt to that. It doesn't always line up with your number one needs. We will definitely get to those defensive guys, but I'm going to stick with the offensive line for a second. You signed Riley Reef, you re-signed Quentin Spain, but those are only one-year deals. How does that impact the draft? Well... You know, uh, one-year deals are, are fine with with us. If guys come in and do well, we're we're more than willing to extend them and uh, and have them around longer than that. Um, this year brought on a lot of one-year deals around the league, uh, just because of uh, oh the COVID protocols and and maybe how the cap was affected uh, in in a downward direction. So. Um, you know, as we go through the draft, I think what we were able to do in free agency is is fill enough needs to where we can go into the draft and uh, feel good about taking the best player available, not passing up uh, uh, super talented guys to take maybe a reach at a position of need. So um, with what we got accomplished in free agency, I feel like we're in a position to do that, and we'll see what the draft brings us. We do the same analysis with the draft. You know, it's it's sometimes a little deeper in some areas than others, uh, and sometimes they match up with where you're picking, and sometimes they don't. And uh, but we'll maintain flexibility as the draft goes on, and we'll look at all options, and you know, hopefully, be able to uh, add to our team in a number of different areas. We're talking to Director of Player Personnel, Duke Tobin. There are still some free agent offensive linemen out there. More are likely to be cut by their current teams. Are you still actively looking to add experienced offensive linemen? Well, we, we are always looking if an opportunity comes up and the ability level is what we deem as an upgrade. Um, it, we're not looking to sign names. Uh, we're looking to sign ability levels and players. And uh, so... Uh, it's got to be more than just a recognized name. It has to be an upgrade from what we currently have if we're going to spend our resources in that area. And so as it goes, we'll continue to evaluate and see if uh, there's somebody we feel is an upgrade from what we already have on our roster. And if not, we'll uh, look to the draft and uh, fill in some there. Joe Tooney wound up signing an $80 million deal with Kansas City. That's the second most ever for a guard. What's your philosophy when it comes to paying guards? Well, you pay players. You don't really pay positions, and uh, I've said that a lot. And uh, they felt that the player was worth that, and uh, that's what they had to pay to get him. Uh, he was really uh, pretty much the premier player in uh, on the offensive line in free agency. And so when you're bidding on that uh, level of guy, you normally have to go pretty high. I'm sure they would like to have him at less money than that, <laughs> but that's what they had to do to, to get him. And uh, when there's one premier player like, like he was, 
particularly when you look at the some of the guys that got franchised around the league um, they uh, they did what they had to do to to get them uh, that's one player and one team uh, you don't get uh, the 31 other teams can't sign the same guy so he only gets to sign one place so um, happy for him I know he's a local guy uh, I think he played at Alter and uh, you know I've got a lot of regard uh, for him and uh, we'll see how it works out for him. But in terms of uh, who we pay and how we pay, uh, we look to try to maximize our dollars on as many players as we can. And we had enough needs to where we didn't want to uh, uh, go after uh, somebody that would take it all. And uh, so we, we ended up uh, spending a lot of money on a number of different guys, and we think we filled in our roster that needed filling in at a lot of spots. So I think it worked out fine. You signed five defensive free agents, including four likely starters, and the biggest deal went to Trey Hendrickson, reportedly four years, $60 million bucks. What do you think you're getting in the former New Orleans Saint? Um, we see Trey as, a, as still an ascending player, even though you know he was second in the league in sacks this year. We see him as a, a, an ascending player that brings a lot to the unit, um, not just to his position, but to the whole defensive unit and how he plays. And um, really excited uh, that, that we were uh, able to convince him this was a great spot for him. And uh, to get a deal done with him, uh, it, it's, it's rewarding when it works out that way. And, you know, we like guys that are, that are emerging in their, in, their, uh, in their career. And we think we'll have a lot of really productive good years with Trey. Will Jackson went to Washington for about $14 million a year. You signed two starting cornerbacks for basically the same amount. Let's start with Chittabe Awuje. He's about three years younger than Will. Why did you pursue Chittabe? Well, again, we, we, uh, we had an opportunity uh, to add to that position group. Uh, he, was, he was interested in us, uh, interested in uh, the way that we do things, uh, felt good about the opportunity here, so we uh, made a push to, to get him and really excited to, to get him. Another young player that uh, is uh, on the rise in this league. He's uh, got a lot of uh, playing experience and uh, brings a lot of traits that we want in our defensive scheme. And uh, Coach Anarumo and the rest of the coaches felt like he was really a good fit for for what we're going to do, and uh, so it was it, it was easy uh, to uh, pursue him, and and it was satisfying that he wanted uh, wanted to pursue us as well. Mike Hilton is also still a young player. He's about a year and a half younger than Will Jackson. He signed for four years, 24 mil, reportedly, which is a good contract for a slot corner. What's that say about him and your view of that position? Again, uh, with Mike, I think all, a lot of Bengal fans know Mike because he brings a ton of energy, and we need that on defense. We wanted guys that had played uh, on high-level defenses uh, that uh, that had a little bit of a swagger to them and a little bit of a physicality to them, and uh, and he brings those. And um, you know, we're excited to. Uh, to see the energy that uh, he'll bring the unit, and I know he's a confident player, and uh, again, a, another player that fits exactly kind of what we wanted to do uh, on defense. And uh, so, again, another guy that was interested in us, and uh, you know, we were able to get him from a uh, division rival. And that's also the case with defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi, who comes from the Cleveland Browns. What can he add up front that you don't already have? 
Yeah, we think Larry's got uh, ability to play on all three downs. Uh, we think uh, we think he gives us uh, maybe a little more upfield rush than what we saw uh, from our interior guys this past year. Um, and uh, but you know, again, another ascending young player that uh, could have a long career here if it uh, if it works out. I know he's uh, on a short term deal with us, but uh, you know, we're certainly open to uh, if if it's a great fit and he's producing to uh, try to get him locked up longer than that. You know, as we go. But uh, again, a guy that we played against, so we know kind of what he brings, and uh, we felt what he brings, you know, on uh, twice a year. And so we were happy that, uh, again, he was interested in us and uh, that we were able to get it worked out. We're talking to Director of Player Personnel Duke Tobin. You had to let Geno Atkins go for cap room. Are you trying to bring him back at a lower number? Yeah, I think it's all to be determined with Geno. We've got uh, such a regard for him. He's one of the greatest uh, players in franchise history and one of the top defensive tackles in the league the last uh, decade. decade. So you're, you're talking about a rare guy and uh, um, we thought he gave what he could this past year and again you know with where his contract was we we had to make a move there but uh, who knows what the future holds uh, we'll see if uh, there's something that can be worked out and uh, if that if it does great and if not I think we've got some other guys that can fill the role all right let's focus on the draft I suspect you're not going to tell us who you are leaning toward with a fifth overall pick but three names are being prominently mentioned. Can you share a few thoughts on Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts? Well, overall, with the draft, we feel we're in a good spot. And, um, you know, we'll be ca- careful not to get uh, uh, overly greedy and get out of a spot to where we maybe lose a premier player. And we feel like we'll get one of the premier players in this draft. It'll be. Uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of discussion as to how we uh, go forward, and that you know, but, but we feel that there are enough guys worthy of the fifth pick in the draft to get a real guy that uh, we feel comfortable with. It also hits us at a position of need, you know, specifically with those guys. Uh, you've got uh, uh, guys who are are you know maybe they haven't played recently, <laughs> which is somewhat of a concern. But when they did play, they played uh, outstanding. And uh, they're at premier positions, and they're guys who who were dominant at those positions at high-level football programs. How good is the offensive line depth in this draft? I think it's pretty good if you take the right guys. You know, there's a, there's a lot of guys out there that uh, have different traits, and, uh, and we'll take guys that, that have the traits that we want in our group. Um, but uh, I do think it's a deep draft. There'll, there'll be guys available in the second round, third round that we have starter grades on, and uh, maybe they'll last a little longer than that too. But uh, it's a position that we're, we're going to focus on. We'll, we'll evaluate it uh, at every pick we make and to see if the best guy available for us uh, is an offensive lineman. But it's a, a position group that we've been focused on. We think having healthy guys there with, and then the addition of Riley Reef, uh, we think we're in a better spot than we were, and, and there'll still be additions to be made to be named later <laughs> how deep is the wide receiver depth in this draft yeah probably not the uh the depth that last year's had but that was a rare draft and um but there are good receivers uh, again with the receiver group 
there, there's a lot of different style guys, even more so than the offensive line group, where there's a lot of different style guys. At, at receiver, you got guys that play inside, guys that play outside. You got guys who have special teams value. So there's a lot. You got to pick exactly what you're looking for. You know, obviously, when you're looking at the top of the draft, you want the guy that can do everything. Uh, but then as the draft goes on, that's where the depth really comes in. You want an inside slot guy. You want a speed guy on the outside. You want a size guy that has a maybe a, a catch radius and a matchup problem. Or do you want a returner? You know. So those are those are things that we'll talk about as the draft goes on. But uh, I don't have a problem with really the depth uh, of any position group in this draft. I mean, I think there there are fewer guys because a lot of guys have taken the opportunity to go back to school but the ones that are in the draft uh, we feel are are quality uh, players how significant is the return of frank pollock as offensive line coach uh got a ton of respect for frank uh working with him in the past um you know i know he'll drive those guys i know he'll uh he'll command respect out of them and uh you know i'm i'm confident that frank will get the group going well You recently said the following about Joe Burrow, quote, I think we've got one of the premier young quarterbacks in the game. How is your team building approach affected by having that guy in his rookie contract? Well, you always want to build around your quarterback. And uh, maybe I misspoke when I said I think I know we've got one of the premier young quarterbacks in this uh, in this league. And, um, you know, he's a guy that you want to be your best for. And uh, and you want to do everything you can uh, to put it together around him. Uh, he's just that type of guy, and uh, and that's what we're doing. We're uh, trying to find the best pieces to maximize his talent, and uh, that's really not a unique philosophy around this league. When you have a quarterback, you want to emphasize it, and uh, we're going to do everything we can to emphasize his talents. Do you engage him in the process, whether it's free agency or the draft? Well, I um, – I talk to a lot of people throughout the process, and uh, he's an engaging guy, so uh, I like to engage with engaging guys. We'll just leave it at that. Should I try again on Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts and see if you'd like to comment on them? Uh, Again, all three uh, high-level prospects, all three uh, worthy of uh, being at the top of the draft. Yeah, and, and guys who we really feel like uh, uh, could fit us and, and could make us a better team. Final question for Duke Tobin, the Bengals Director of Player Personnel. When it comes to the possibility of trading down, is there a number that you would not be comfortable going lower than? So, for example, I'll go as low as 10, but I'm not going to go as low as 15. Yeah, maybe, but I'm not going to say. You know, it, it's, it's not something you would put out. We'll we'll look at any opportunities that come our way, and you know, part of uh, moving down is the compensation involved, and and so we're not above looking at at a lot of different options. Uh, I can't tell you that we plan on coming out of the first round of this draft with a premier player, and uh, I don't see us putting ourselves in position to where uh, to where we're dropping down a level. Uh, to uh, to maybe get a maybe down the road. So um, we feel good about our position where we are. And uh, if we move, it's going to take something to get us to move. And we'll see uh, if anything breaks there. It's nice to be back in your office. It's been a while. I appreciate the time. Thanks, you Dave. Bet. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. I'll be back with a new edition on Thursday 
and you will definitely want to check it out. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.